Hello, and thanks for tuning in to our Monday Night Godcast, an immersive and interactive discussion of the Bible. If you're listening to this right now, then I know for a fact that God has something for you. That's right, you. I'm glad you're here. Let's dive into God's Word and see what He has in store for us today. different um, traits or, you know, things that Jesus calls us, because after John of looking into Jesus asking us, well, who do you say I am? And we've been going into, who, well, now the flip side, who does Jesus say that we are? So we've talked about, you know, being forgiven, we've talked about being, um, no, sorry, we haven't talked about that, that's what we're talking about today, <laughs> talking about being forgiven, like I am forgiven, uh, but previously we've talked about, um, Being a child of God, um, being free, that's what we talked about, and being a new creation. Those were the previous things we talked about. <coughs> Don't cry. <laughs> um, so, forgiveness. What is forgiveness? Not a focal question. <coughs> how, would, how would you guys describe or define what forgiveness is in any sense? Well, there's like different kinds of forgiveness, I think. Mm -hmm. I feel like um, forgiving someone can be like um, being able to take away whatever you had inside you, like anger, or it could be like just any non-pleasant thing that had sad or something, just letting it go and giving it to God. Okay. And I was going to say, um, like, almost forgetting or like blotting out the past. Okay. Like not, like, don't, not bringing up someone's past. Like, that's like a true forgiveness. Like, I'm not going to say like, well, in the past you did this. But if you're still bringing that up, then you have Start forgetting about things in the past. Yes. Okay. Anyone else? There's no right or wrong answer. Moving forward. Hmm. I like that. Could also be like developing a new understanding okay. of whatever it is that happened. Cool. Okay, yeah, all great answers. Um, I think another way to look at it, um, in addition to all, to all those, um, is kind of like a release or dismissal of something. Um, you know, forgiveness that we have in Christ is essentially involving the release of sinners um, from God's just penalty and to complete the dismissal of all those charges against us. A little piece I found that I thought kind of hit on this really well said to some people forgiveness may seem like weakness or letting an undeserving person win but it has no connection to weakness or even to emotions instead forgiveness is an act of the will forgiveness is not granted because a person deserves to be forgiven no one deserves to be forgiven forgiveness is a deliberate act of love mercy and grace Forgiveness is a decision to not hold something against another person, despite what he or she has done to you. I thought that was really good, especially the part that really stood out to me was forgiveness is not granted because a person deserves to be forgiven, because no one deserves to be forgiven, right? You only need to ask for forgiveness if you did something wrong. Hmm. If you did something wrong, there's no need to be forgiven of it, to be released from it. Um, but it's, it's a deliberate act of love, mercy, and grace to choose not to hold that against the person anymore. I think that's my favorite thing, that deliberate act. Mm -hmm. Like, you have, there's a step that you have to get to mm -hmm. be, you know, 
part in your mind to say, I choose. Like, I'm choosing for this, mm -hmm. despite the language you had told me, despite how long it was. Like, I'm, my deliberate action in these moments is to say, I believe. Yeah. Like, God willing. Mm -hmm. Cool. So we're going to really dive in. We're going to turn to Romans 8. Romans 8, 1, there's this, this key verse here, um, I think is, from what I found, this, this is a verse I'd like to dig into here for a little while. Yes, I said verse, one verse, Romans 8, 1. Would anyone like to read? It is one verse long. Anyone? Go for it. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Cool. Sounds pretty self-explanatory, right? Well, how are we going to spend the next two hours here? That's a really good one. I was planning on being asleep for two hours. Change <laughs> <laughs> <And> your plans. <laughs> no, so... There is now, so my, um, NLT reads, so now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. What version did you have, Kayla? Um, ESV. ESV. Do we have another, there's a little bunny right there, it just went right past the window. That's what we saw. I, I saw ESV. it too, I, I thought it. something was coming in, I'm like, what is that? <laughs> that would be so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I have the passion version. Go for it, yeah. So it's Romans 8, 1, correct? Mm -hmm. So now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. Well, now the case is closed. I like that. <laughs> the case is closed. And it's in it italics. Case is closed. Read that again. So now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. Hmm. Life union. Pretty good. Any other translations that we have in the room? I got NIV, but it was pretty much the same as ESV. Yeah, I have almost the same thing. The only difference is that they have this as who, after there is no therefore now no condemnation to them who, who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Mm. Mm. Cool. That starts to give them a verse to speak, and then it's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, verse two is after one, two. Oh, okay. Cool. That's, that's awesome. Um, Okay, so what does condemnation mean? Before we dive into it, what does it mean to be condemned, or what is condemnation? Judged absolutely. Okay. Not rejoice in love. Mm -hmm. I think of pointing fingers mm -hmm. during the first walk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all those are, I think, are spot on. Uh, you know, I, I would think a, a, a judge would use that word in a, in a over on a final sentence, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I condemn you to eight years in prison, blah, 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 blah. Right? Being condemned. It's, it's, it's the sentence. It's the, what did, how did you say it? No, what did you say? Judge, no. <laughs> what condemnation? Found guilty of. To be found guilty of. Guilty of. But it's, it's a sentencing, essentially, mm -hmm. like along with that. Yeah. And Hurst said there's also no more accusers. So, you know, the decision is done, it's yeah. final, like the judge banged the gavel, it's... Case closed. Case closed. Case closed. Case closed, not going to talk about anymore, condemned. This is the verdict. Alright, so, now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So we're talking about forgiveness, so what is going on here? So, a little context going on from here, Romans 7 I think that I think Romans seven, just the whole the whole chapter of Romans seven, is like the most relatable. We're not going to go into it, but I think it's just the most relatable thing I've ever read before. Um, ah, just kidding. We're going to read it. I'm, I'm going to read a small part of it. <laughs> it's just too good. Um, Romans seven. Nineteen is really, I think that one verse kind of sums it all up. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. I think that's the most honest and human... Oh, is this the one? I think it is such a 
that's what it means to be human, right? Like, not as a an excuse, but I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. And he's talking about struggling with sin. Mm-hmm. You know, previously in chapter seven, he's talking about no longer balancing the law, and then he's going into God's law revealing our sin, and then it's struggling with sin, and then it leads us to. 8 verse 1 that we just read, that there be no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. But if you haven't read Romans chapter 7 before, I would recommend that for this week. If, if you're looking for something to read, or like, hey, I don't know what I should be doing, like, verse 7, it's just the most relatable thing, in my opinion, that is just, just so good. Oh, Lord, yes, I do. <laughs> it is. And, and, and like, he even says it in verse 14. The trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't understand myself. I want to do what is right, but I don't. Instead, I do what I hate. Just so good. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's the kind of context that we're coming off of. Right after talking about all of that, then he's saying, and then in the very end of chapter 7, he says, In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. Now, in chapter 7, he's also talking about, yes, because we're human, we, you know, we sin. But don't use that as an excuse of, oh, because I'm bound to sin, because I'm human, that, you know, this is my, oh, you know, like, sin's going to get me, so I'm human, so I'll just do whatever I want. He said, no, don't use that as an excuse, and don't use grace as a reason, because you'll be forgiven. Don't let that be your excuse to continue sinning. But with all that, then he's saying here in verse in chapter 8, verse 1, now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And we will continue. We'll look at verse 2. I'm going to stay on verse 1 for a little bit. So he says specifically in Christ, for those who belong to Christ, or for those in Christ in different translations. Meaning there's a union between Christ and believers. Being in Christ, being Christ is in believers, Christ is in us through the Holy Spirit, and we are in Christ through faith. The verdict is not less condemnation. It's not, so now there's less condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. It's no condemnation. There is no condemnation. And I think that's a lot, that's that's where a lot of people Maybe get tripped up or think, yeah, hey, I'm just a little bit. I'm I'm better off now. I'm better off having Jesus, which is true. But I think it's a huge understatement and maybe partially not accurate. We're not better off by having Jesus in our life. We're completely transformed by having Him in our life. Mm-hmm. It's not a matter of, okay, you're you're in better standing now. You know, God God likes you a little bit better because you know, like no, that's that's not the case. You've been radically transformed. You're a new creation in Christ. You're uh, being transformed, changed to a status of not being condemned. On the flip side, because he said, he didn't just say there's now no condemnation for anyone. He said there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So what does that mean on the flip side? There's no option. It's not like a salad bar. You get to choose different people to not receive condemnation. It's either condemnation or Jesus Christ, which you don't find condemnation. Okay. There's no choice. So for those who are in Christ Jesus, yeah, you're, you got it. But to put it another, uh, to you know, say it a little differently, if you're in Christ, there's no condemnation. Mm-hmm. So if you're not in Christ, then what? You're condemned. You are condemned. Condemned to what? What's the, the verdict? The law of sin and requires death. Death. Yeah. Hell. Separation from God. Separation from God, yeah. So now on the flip side, if you're not in Christ, there is condemnation for you. Now here's a quote from Charles Spurgeon. It's no pleasant task to us to have to speak of this matter, but who are we that we should ask for a pleasant task? What God hath witnessed in Scripture is the sum and substance of what the Lord's servants are to testify to people. Here's the, the key part. If you are not in Christ Jesus, you are walking after the flesh. 
You have not escaped from condemnation. So yeah, he's he's saying you know just that that if and he's talking about you know the the other side of it. If you're not in Christ, there then you haven't escaped condemnation. You haven't escaped judgment. You haven't escaped the sentence. You haven't escaped the the verdict of separation from God for all eternity, hell. And this, uh, Paul, Paul is talking here, he's the one writing this book. Um, yeah, never mind, nothing else really to say on that part. But he, he's saying all this after all the, all the stuff he was saying in chapter 7 about, you know, being no longer bound to the law and God... God's law is what shows us our sin. It's not there so that we can try to keep it. It's there to show us our need for him. And then he's saying, you know, he's talking about dressing, struggling with sin. And then all this is kind of tying in with what he said there. Any other thoughts on verse 1? That's that verse. Oh, yeah. Also, when, like, when it's like saying, like, for those who are in Christ Jesus, that in Christ, is it like referring to, like, Christ as the light? And we were talking about, like, with, was it First John, First John, I think chapter one or two, or for whatever chapter I guess you can call it, where it was talking about how, like, if you live by the truth, then you're in the light, but if you do not live by the truth, then you live in darkness. And those who are in darkness aren't in Christ, and those who are in light are in Christ. Is that like we're talking like living with Christ? About or, be, or being with, with Christ? Or who are, for those who are in Christ Jesus? Is that what it's talking about? Like those who live by the truth? Or. I think like, it's like up to personal interpretation. So okay. I think it's a really it? good connection. So because, like, for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yes, and what does that mean? Who yeah, because, are the like, people who are in Christ? Like, who are those, mm -hmm. like, because anyone can say, I believe, like, because it's not like there's no historical evidence of Jesus. So, like, what more is, like, it, like, they can't just be Jesus. You know what I mean? Like, Jesus was a real person, but is there more in there saying who are in Christ Jesus? Like, are you asking to define that part of yeah, that part, like, yeah, like that Christ Jesus? Part like, what does that mean? Yeah. Good question. I would say, well, what does it mean? Oh, yeah, that's asking the same question. <laughs> What does it mean to be in Christ? Like it's doing more than just the name Jesus Christ, right? Yeah, it's not it's just It's not saying just saying those who are in Jesus Christ, like those who believe in him. To abide in him. It's kind of like him. hard not to believe in Jesus Christ. like Yeah, to be made one with him, to, to abide with him and in him. And it's kind of like what it talks about being connected with him. Like I'm the, I am the vine, mm -hmm. you are the branch. Like if you are severed from the branch, from the vine, you have no life. But if you stay connected to me, then you'll have life because he is the one who provides life. And so if you are connected, if you believe that Jesus is your Savior, he died on the cross for your sins, and you abide in him, you stay connected to him, you have that relationship with him, and you have connection with him, that's what it means to be in Christ. Mm -hmm. No, that's a good question because it's not just for those who believe that Jesus is real, because that would mean that there's no condemnation for demons, because even demons. Believe. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's why, like, I like what it's like. Uh, you said someone mentioned that this is for other Bibles. You go to the second verse, but in the first verse, it says, "Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit." So it's like it connects the spirit. So I'm like in Christ, in the spirit, mm, okay. in, in Jesus Christ. Yeah, verse 2 says, And because you belong to him, the power and the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So the power of sin no longer has any hold over you because you belong to him. It's freed you from the power of sin.
which is crazy. It's like, it's, it's as though, you know, we're a slave to sin, but because we believe in and accept Jesus as our Savior, we change masters. It's like an instantaneous mm -hmm. sin was our captor, right? We were captive to, we were slaves to sin, but it's a transfer, you know, of sonship, daughtership, to go from being that slave to sin to now being, like, he calls us co-heirs with him, mm -hmm. and, like, a son and daughter, not just, like, okay, you can just come join me and, like, be here and, you know, be my servant. He's like, no, like, he's called us to be children of God, and it's, it's just a complete shift to go from, like, you know, down here together, be with God. And why? Not because of anything we did, but because we believe. So that's kind of talking about what that forgiveness does. So that's talking about the overall concept of forgiveness, being belong to him, you're now forgiven of your debt. You're now forgiven of the judgment, the verdict, the condemnation that you had rightfully given to us because we sin. So why do we even need the forgiveness? Let's go just flip back a little bit to Romans chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 18. Oh, go ahead. Man. Go for it. You said ch chapter 1, verse 18. Mm -hmm. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godliness and the wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. So what does that mean? kind of like you're stepping out like you're separating yourself from God so therefore the wrath of God is being revealed within that well, there is um, there is judgment there is um, mm -hmm. a law that's not not good and mm -hmm. yeah. ungodliness like you said un unrighteousness there mm -hmm. is there is judgment and there is um, yeah. consequences yeah but yeah. also on top of that it's not just evil and wicked that's happening. There's another side to that, and that is that it's suppressing, it's hiding, and disguising the truth. Yeah, it starts out saying that his wrath is being revealed, but at the same time, it's down at the end, the truth is being revealed. Hmm. Um, with the previous word silence, but now it's coming to light and being revealed. Yeah, there's, we, we were designed to know and be in a relationship with God. And we have a void in our life when we're designed to be in a relationship with God, but that relationship is broken because of our sin. So we've suppressed, not necessarily we, you know, but we as in humanity have suppressed the truth about our sin and our need for God. And as a result, we look for other things to fix and fill us instead suppressing the truth by their wickedness. That doesn't sound like 2023. I don't know what does. Yeah. Suppressing the truth. And the truth. You might as well just capitalize the truth there. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And we've suppressed Jesus in this nation. Right? Like, taking Jesus out of everything, you know, removing it from everything, removing truth even from everything. Such simple concept of God created man, God created woman. We said, nah, we'll make our own thing that we want to make out of this. And only through faith in Jesus can that, can that void be filled and forgiveness from God can be received, which can reconcile us to him. All right, so I want to keep reading 19 and 20 here in chapter 1. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. Has anyone ever felt that God has made the truth 
obvious to you. Mm-hmm. Maybe not always sometimes. I'm going to keep reading. Verse 20. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. What do you guys think about that? Like you know when you do something wrong. Like you feel like like you, you like when it says like the like even back to eighteen where it says the wrath of God is being revealed. Like when you do something for someone, you might not know it like right away. But like before people are saved or reborn again, you kinda of live in sin and you don't really you're not really getting it too much, but then God does reveal it to you eventually where you start feeling like, man, why am I depressed? Why am I filled with so much anxiety? Why do I feel alone? Why like all these things that are like the fruit of or fruit of like wickedness and everything? You're not experiencing any life in your life. You wonder why and you're like, hmm, why is this all going down? And I think that's because God has is like I said, invisibly, secretly revealing himself to you, like, hey, you're doing something wrong. Maybe you should, maybe you should do something other than what you're doing. I think it's a difficult statement for the world to accept because they can read that and say, "No, it's just science." There is scientific explanation for all of these things, and the rational mind can see, accept, and reason away what we're seeing without accepting the spiritual nature of the world around us. And I think even as believers, we can get caught up in the way sedents, like coincidences or rationalizing things that happen around us and just accepting it and being like, oh, that was weird. Or like, that's interesting that that happened. But then not take with that spirit sense that we are gifted with that, oh, wait, this might actually be God. This might be his hand in my life. I think that is difficult for those who are have not quite grasped like the spiritual undertone of their own life to to accept that as like truth. But as believers, we're able to be like, yeah, God gives me a sunrise every morning, and it's different every morning, and it's beautiful, and God like. That would be different. You know, it's, it is a mind, it is part of that transformation of like, no, it's not just happening to me, it's happening for me because there's mm-hmm. a creator who created it and mm-hmm. loves me and is gifting me with this experience or is disciplining me in this circumstance or like you can attribute it to whatever science says or you can say, because science is not meant to contradict God either. Like, he gave us the gift. The human body alone and the way that it works and the things that I briefly know of. Like, one thing wrong and, like, you combust or, like, you know, something you constantly choke or whatever it is. Like, one thing wrong in your body. And it's, like, the more that science, I forget who it is. It's a secular quote. Maybe Ben Franklin. I don't know. But essentially he was like the more science advances and the more that we see and uncover through science the more it is impossible Mm -hmm. to think that there is not a creator that god doesn't exist Mm -hmm. and that's how it's meant to be we're supposed to be in concert with each other um not to say that we can still even explain everything but like i'm kind of going down a rabbit trail right now (laughs) sorry but you know it's it is difficult and i and i see and i can understand and appreciate why someone would find this to be like how like show me but then that that faith part you know like the the trust that you have that there is a god who loves you and knows you personally like you gotta you gotta have the faith you gotta be in it mm-hmm. and like as a non-believer it's even harder to like open your mind yeah. to that when we just said like we're suppressing the truth every day and thinking about it every yeah. day mm-hmm. you know and then like it's harder to access that um, that fact, and then like to even begin to take that step of faith, and to realize that there is a faith part, mm-hmm. right? 
Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna go with I was gonna go with Jackie. What she was saying that like um, we forget like we see the sun every day. Like we understand the signs of it now because we know the sun is always there and we're just rotating it. And so we, as Christians, we you know we like oh it's just the sun like you know, but sometimes we stop and just like admire the beauty of everyday life that we have and like wow we have a sunset like that. It's, it's like beautiful. Something you said actually made me think of something. Um, you said, I think, spiritual sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I've heard uh, something clicked for me just now, but you know, we all know of Spider-Man, right? How he has mm-hmm. like his spidey sense of the tingling, right? I mean, like something bad is about to happen or something's coming at him, right? His spidey sense is tingled. Can't really explain it other than just like, it's kind of like a spidey sense. It's like something's going on, like something's coming from behind me, you know, or whatever it might be. What if our spiritual senses tingled, and or or what if we start trying to engage our spiritual senses mm-hmm. in the ordinary? I think they do. It's just a matter of whether you recognize it or not. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. What if what if we start to you know activate our spiritual senses? You know, and have our our spiritual senses tingle like. You see the sun rising, and you you stop and think. Let me let my spiritual senses take over for a minute, and then your vision changes from seeing the oh, sun that nice. from seeing the sun that comes up. Like, oh, that's nice. It's six thirty a.m. Therefore, the sun rises to spiritual sense. Wow. God just painted this rainbow, or just painted this colorful sunrise. With his paintbrush, with his heavenly paintbrush, for me to admire and to just be in awe of how awesome he is. Mm-hmm. And then you're going about work, and you're you're driving to work, and people are in your way, and <laughs> people are driving certain cars that are just going slow, and people are honking, and people are going too slow, and people want emerging, they leave on the turn signals, they don't put on the turn signals, and all these things, and then spiritual senses turn on, and you go, and you look at the person next to you, and you realize that person has an entire life, to me, they're just a person passing by, but there's an entire life, struggles, victories, relationships, jobs, promotions, other family members dependent on this person, other co-workers dependent on this person, that person is loved by God. They're going a little slow for my liking. But that person is loved by God. God created this person for a reason. And this guy over here, who just cut me off, was also created for a reason. He's not just there to be in my way. He has his own life. Maybe a, a wife and kids. And he has parents. And he's got family members. And he's got relatives. And he's got co-workers and friends and neighbors who rely on him. 
Maybe, you just, maybe you just prayed for patience that morning. God, would you give me more patience? Well, Joe Schmo over there in the white car is giving you an opportunity to learn some patience today. So I saw a video where it was like, like what if like like traffic? Because I experience a lot of traffic because I travel a lot. Like, what if God put traffic in your way so that you would listen to more worship music? <laughs> or like, what if God put traffic in your way so that you would pray more while you're driving more? There's always a reason why there's something going on. It's not just like, God hates me, or this people hate, why is there traffic? Or maybe there's traffic because God's like trying to tell the world, slow down. Or he's protecting you from or something up that ahead, or that is clear. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think it's, a, it's definitely an attitude change, mm-hmm. like on the way you look at For it, sure. like, you could be going through something like hard and like you can either choose to be like oh this is ha- why it is happening blah 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 and, and instead like look at those little winks from God and looking to the positive like God is working in this situation it's not the, just the fact that like bad things are happening to me yes it was his plan but it's just a, like an attitude change on like we're going to focus on um, the things that God is working through in this situation and just um, just even the little things and like him putting a song in your heart that will help you um, through the situation or putting a sign on a pole that you can read. Um, anyway, that's a long story. Um, and so it's just like, just in like a, a different perspective, a different attitude on the way you look at the world. Um, at least that's like something that I've been working on instead of just like focusing on the whys and the negativities and like those sorts of things yeah now this it, it's definitely a shift of mind thought and, and even action even just how you go about day by day it's not just let's, let me just be spiritual you know sense spiritual things today it's it's going to be a day by day hour by hour minute by minute even second by second thing you might be praying and one minute later like this guy just got me off so yeah I mean and I think I think so many other things too right that things that are put in our life aren't just there mm-hmm. they're there for a reason and it's, it's part, part of that spiritual sense is, is also you see someone hurting you see someone you just feel like you should ask them if they're okay well, you're there, and they're there, and you're both there. Maybe God planned that. Just a simple, hey, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm good, thanks. Okay. Well, how, are you, how, are you, how are you doing? Are you okay? Can, can I pray for you? It's the second ask. Is there anything I can pray for you for? Right? Sometimes people need that second ask. You see a guy there on the, on the side of the street begging for money, and you're there judging, thinking he's going to use it for drugs. Do you really need it? Are you really homeless? Why don't you have a job? Why don't you have a house? What happened to you? What's going on? Roll down your window instead. Hey, can I pray with you? Spiritual sense is tingling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. Cool. So, verse 20. I believe this is... Um, uh, I got this, I got this um, from a church I went to years ago. The Father's house. Way back in the day. Um, it says, this is Romans 1.20, what we just read here. It says, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. If you want to pass that around, you can. In my opinion, I believe verse 20 is the answer to a very popular question humanity asks. Will people go to hell if they've never heard of Jesus? If the, if the name of Jesus has never even reached their community, what about a a random tribe far off in the Amazon who's never heard the name of Jesus and they die, will they go to heaven or hell? Well, it's a simple question, actually. Simple answer. Have they accepted Jesus as their Savior? Well, no, they haven't, because they haven't heard of it. Well, Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. No one can go to the Father except through Him. So, no, they won't go to heaven. But that's not fair. And a person would probably say next, how can someone have the chance to know, how could someone not even have the chance to know about Jesus and then have to go to hell because of that? I think Romans 1.20, in my opinion, is the answer to that. Through everything God made, 
they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. I think it's a hard truth, but it's the truth. Verse 19 even says it again. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. You see the sky painted. You see rainbows. You see birds flying. You can never have known about Jesus being, you know, having lived. Never, you know, the, the gospel of Jesus never reached your tribe in the middle of the Amazon. But you have the same world that you're living in, and you, you have the same creation all around you. And verse 20 says, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. I think it's hard. I think that's a hard one to take in. I think the truth, the truth isn't always easy to digest, but I think it's, it's so clearly written. Yeah. because I think what you said is interesting. Here is talking about through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Not that they have no excuse for not knowing Jesus. And so when we talk about Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life, and he is one with the Father, I, I want, and this is a future note for me to study, but mm -hmm. I think that's a point of, Okay, God, God and Jesus is them recognizing God and accepting God, Yahweh, right, the God of the Bible, enough. Is that enough? Because it doesn't talk about Jesus here. Yeah. It's like so. Yeah, maybe they've met, maybe they haven't had an opportunity to know Jesus. But you have a small girl living in one of these untouched tribes, right? And she looks up at the sky and she says, "There has to be a God," mm -hmm. and she believes in God. You know what? What are you going to say? That, that's one of those moments where it's like, it doesn't mention Jesus. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I'm curious to, to see, and maybe there's not an answer. Um, because, you know, sometimes we don't ever get the full answer. But that is one of the moments where it's like, okay, they haven't had a chance to know Jesus, but they recognize and acknowledge God for who he is. Mm -hmm. Is that enough? And I would, I would say to that, um, because they are, part of is the Trinity, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, that's true. That's, so, that's true. With, with that, I I did include, in my opinion, this is the answer to that question. Um, so anything I ever say, don't take it as truth, unless it is the exact word that's from the Bible. Um, please question everything I say. Question what your pastor say. Question what your small group leader says. Question everything. Even question, God, what does this even mean? Why? Are you sure you meant it like that? But... To that, I would say, I don't know the exact answer, and maybe each situation is different, but I would also say that that little girl might be like in heaven, her. because prior to Jesus' life on earth, right. people, and I, I struggled with that question for a while, how did people go to heaven before Jesus? Before Jesus? And I think, it's, I think it's one answer. It's all about the heart. God looks at your heart. You can say, I believe in Jesus. He is my Lord and Savior. He died on the cross. For me, personally, I believe that. Accept him as the one who did that. And if your life doesn't show that, well, in those words, you might as well have just said, because it means nothing. I think the words that you say mean nothing unless it's backed up by your actions. So the, the little girl who says, look at all this, there must be a God. God, if you're out there, would you show yourself to me? And God, I, I want to know you if you're real out there. I think that person has, using everything that they have available to them, is, is, like is knowing God as much Noah as possible. And Jacob and all those people. Yep, they, they, didn't had know, they didn't know God, Jesus. But they didn't know Jesus. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's interesting. Yeah. This comes back to us, too. It's like, we can question all we want. I was like, well, there's no. I mean, the simple solution is like we need to go out and try to reach him. Mm. And that's yes. God told us to go out and reach those who haven't heard the word of God. So mm -hmm. this comes back fairly to us because we're not doing what God asks us to do. Yeah. 
No, no. I'll just add on. This is a whole other debate that yeah, let's not go too deep with this one. But you know, going back to that little girl, going back to God. There's other faiths that may believe in the same God the Father we do. Judaism in particular does believe in the same God the Father. What's to say that other faiths wouldn't? There are stories of Native Americans that have a similar creation kind of a story. Slightly different language, slightly different terminology, but there are similar creation stories out there. Um, what's to say they're not? Or maybe they believe in the same God with a different name. I think the most important thing to come back to Sorry, just jumping in here. <laughs> is uh, is <laughs> oh hi Zach. Is the uh, when I mean we studied John a few months ago, right? Like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Mm -hmm. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so, like, just the importance what you were saying, Christian, of us speaking to others, and it is a very difficult question. You get into the question of the. What is the, the age of the, of, oh, I can't remember it, but it's the age of, um, like, Account accountability? accountability? Age yeah. of accountability. Thank you, Carrie. Um, where you get into the question of, like, okay, is, are, if you're under the age of, you know, if you're under two years old, how are you supposed to know you can't even talk? Um, but then again, if you ever meet a little kid, faith is so much easier Oh, yeah. Like yeah. they believe, oh, yeah. and you don't like the older that I get, the more I just hate the like the fact that faith is it gets so much more difficult the older that you get, um, and it requires zero work when you're yeah. a kid. So I don't know what it is because I had not a question in anything. It's just like, well, I mean, that's dumb because God <laughs> is God. I'm like five years old sitting in a in a car. It's like, well, God is going to take care of me. I, I mean, who cares? Like, what does it matter? And then, you know, I'm driving down the road tonight, and uh, I'm like, what the heck, Zachary? What's your deal? <laughs> it is, it's, what, why have you, where is your confidence? Like, what do you, what is, what's the problem? So, anyhow. Cool. That's a lot to say a little. This is this is all great conversation. <laughs> I'm gonna kill it right here. <laughs> um, all right. I have a great. question. In a sense, <laughs> it's not really a question. It's an easy question. I think. <laughs> Minus two points. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> so it could just be like Garrett at like face value, or like I just don't. When it's when I when I was reading Romans twelve. I don't get anything from, like, looking at, like, I mean, I understand the sunset, and that's, but, like, reading verse, verse Romans 1 and verse 20, mm -hmm. I don't get anything, like, like, physically what God has created. I thought, like, we were the creation, and, like, we ourselves can't make excuses when we, like, like, these far-off tribes, when they do cannibalism, inside them, they, they probably, like, like you said, that little girl, or a kid, or, like, when they used to do child sacrifices and everything, I don't think the child was like, I can't wait to be sacrificed <laughs> on this like pyramid or a guillotine. I don't think that's what a child thinks. Because in nature, in the invisible qualities that God has placed in us all, we know what's right and wrong. And because man is wicked, all there's no good, no good man on earth. We all deserve hell. We all deserve wrath. We all understand that we do something wrong. Like, no one lies because they're like, like, people make this, well, I lied because of self preservation. That's just a human trait. No, no, you lied because you knew you did something wrong. There would be no reason to lie if you didn't think you did something wrong. So, you lie because you knew you did. There's, a, there's an intact nature of you that knows that was wrong. So, these other tribes, when they know, man, that was probably wrong, but I want power. So, I'm just going to keep sacrificing people because it keeps me in power. And people think, I sacrificed Jit Timmy that the sun god's going to give us more sun now. Oh, Jit Timmy. I don't know. Just like, you know what I mean? Like, they, because man is wicked. If you give man, like, any, like, if you give a mouse a cookie, if you give man power, they're just going to want more power. So I don't, I, that's what I went to this one. I, mean, I was, yeah. Like, just as an actual, like, we're the creation. 
and that we know the invisible qualities of the internal power and divine nature of God. Like, not saying I know what's good. I definitely know when I do something wrong. Like, I might not even want to admit it. Or even when I didn't know God, I knew that either uh, lust or drugs or anything, I knew those things were wrong. Like, that was probably bad for me, and I knew even if there was no God ever, there was no Jesus, that was probably bad. But I still did yeah. it. Can I get two people, or you know, others can turn to it, but two people to read. Um, one turn to Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31, verse 34. Who wants that? All right, Rachel. And then who wants to read Isaiah 43, verse 25? Anybody want that? Okay. Rachel, Jeremiah 31, verse 34. Lily verse, I am mean, um, Isaiah 43, verse 25. Alright, so somebody finished this line. Forgive and forget. Forget. Okay. So here's here's what we're gonna Yeah. Here's what we're gonna go into. Rachel, whenever you're ready, Jeremiah 31 verse chapter 31, verse 34. They will no longer teach their friends and relatives, know the Lord. Everyone from least to greatest shall know me. Oracle of the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and no longer remember their sin. I will forget their iniquity and no longer remember their sin. Alright, Lily, Isaiah 43.5. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. Remembers the sins no more. So we're going to go into the question. Does God forget our sins when they're forgiven? What do you guys think, first off? What was your question? Does God forget our sins when they're forgiven? I think yes. Yes? Just by what her verse said, um, I blot out your transgressions for my own sake. You know, for that reason, I think it's like he blots them out of our part and then maybe, you know, also... Yes, no? Does God forget our sins when they're forgiven? I mean, I want to say no, but based on the words we just read, I have to say yes. And it also reminds me of the words, I don't know which one, where is it at? You probably exactly all know. Where is, he says he grabs, he puts it like between the frozen like in the ocean or something. In the sea, yeah. The, in the sea, yeah. So it's like, as much as I want to say no, because like it's hard to imagine, that God just forgets our sins, but based on evidence that yeah. I say, I do yes. So, yeah, Jeremiah 31, 34, and I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. Mm -hmm. And then the other one Isaiah 43, 25, I, yes, I alone will blot out their sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. Yes. <laughs> Only our fault is because we messed up every single time we do. So it's not he does not count them against us, but we still have to stand before him and give an account for the actions that we took, which is terrible. But it's, so it's twofold, right? Like, It yes. says he blotted them out. He didn't actually erase them. So they're still there. He's just not paying attention. It's like white out. Like, they're still there, but like, I don't know. There is... So much that is so so. Yeah. We're not. We don't need to go too deep <laughs> to <know. laughs> into what we think. You missed me, didn't you? <laughs> I did. No, no. You, you you still go ahead. Yeah. But I don't. We don't. I'm not. I don't want to go into speculation. We don't want to go out right. of time. There's there's just a lot of information there. Sorry. Uh, I'll, I'll wrap up real quick. The like the story of the uh, the guy that forgives like eleven billion dollars mm -hmm. to that one guy, and then. He doesn't forgive his neighbor for like 20 grand. And he's like, oh, what's mm -hmm. your deal, man? I forgave you a lot. Now you go in jail. So there are so many. And he's like, this is how it works in the kingdom of heaven. So I don't know what the Hebrew word for forget or how all that works. And, and what there you also have um, accountability to other believers of, of things like that. So I don't know. Jeez. I don't know how it all works. I just know that when you... 
you are we are called to forgive and we are also um, called to obey and he forgives us and we obey and the forgiveness comes first however if you don't obey problems happen with that forgiveness it's a whole thing yeah and that's, so this this is something where those exact words I will never again remember those sins and uh, we'll never think of them again. That's something to not be taken literally as ex exactly written down word for word because throughout the Bible we see different types of methods of writing, everything from poetry to um, you know di different types of, of writing styles. This we see we saw something similar. Um, sorry, I should right into that. Um, in the there's a translation called. God's Word. In the God's Word translation of Jeremiah 31-34, I think it really hits it on the mark. Because I will forgive their wickedness and I will no longer hold their sins against them. I think that really puts it as it's intended. Um, that translation, I think, is, is more in line with the intent of the passage. The idea that God will not remember the sin of the people would mean uh, really means that he won't hold it against them in the day of judgment. It doesn't mean that God literally forgot, I, I forgot about it. It didn't escape his memory. The idea of God forgetting something isn't the same idea of us forgetting something. Of, mm -hmm. I forgot you told me that. Oh, you bought that? I forgot about that, and so I just bought it too. It's not that type of forgetting. And it says that he will never remember our sins. Similarly to what we read um, last Bible study and the time prior, in 1 John 3, 6, it says, Anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him, meaning God does not know God. It doesn't mean that if you literally sin again that you don't know God. It means that if you're living in habitual sin and a lifestyle of sin that you don't know God. You guys, I don't know if you guys recall that conversation. That's something where, yes, it literally says anyone who keeps on sinning does not know God. But it doesn't mean that if you sin again, you do not know God. It means if you're living in a lifestyle of sin, then you're not with him. In the same way, this saying, I will never remember your sins and, and will never think of them again, doesn't mean God forgot about it. <laughs> it, made, it erased it from God's mind. That's not what it means. But it's saying he will not hold it against you. Are you saying like as if, like as like in a simile? Like he's saying like, as, yeah, like I, as, I forgive as you though, as if, as, as though, though I'd say it's that, been I'd blotted say that out. Like it's not like I'm not afraid. Like because he knows my the past and my future. He knows all my sin already. I think that'd be a good way. God wouldn't just forget. But like he's like, I'm going to forgive you as if it were blotted out. Like like I'm thinking like ink and a feather. Like if they blotted out with ink and like it all blotted across the paper. It's like, oh, well, that's like what Jesus did. He spilled the ink, and he's like, oh, man, well, Jesus died for you. I get you're forgiven. Not, not, not nonchalant like that. That's a very good <laughs> layman's terms, okay? That's, that's where I was going for the day. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so we've got, um, you know, God is all-knowing. He knows everything. He can't learn anything. He can't forget anything. Because if he could learn something or forget something, then he's not all-knowing. If God forgot about our sins, and we get there on Judgment Day, and be like, God, uh, thanks a lot for forgiving me for that time I did X, Y, Z. He'd be like, you did what? <laughs> yeah. You did that? I must have forgotten about that. <sighs> You're lucky to have gotten here. Like, maybe maybe I should change my mind. Like, He doesn't forget. <laughs> God, that would mean that we are more powerful, more powerful, more powerful and more knowing than God. And that's not the case. If God were to have literally forgotten our sins, then we would be, we would know more than God. Because it'd be like, oh yeah, I remember that time I did that. Chris, think God forgot about that. No, he's not holding it against you anymore. Yeah. He's forgiven you. That's what this whole concept is. He's forgiven. He's forgiven us. We've been forgiven. into it really quick and we'll touch it next week again too um psalm 103 12 somebody want to read that real quick 
I touched on this a little bit a few weeks ago, um, but this <laughs> correlates to here again. Psalm 103, verse 12. I got it. Go for it. Farther than from a sunrise to a sunset, that's how far you've removed from our removed our guilt from us. Yeah. Most other translations read, as far as the east is from the west. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's forgiven us of our sins. <laughs> you can hear Kayla singing it right now. <laughs> As far as east is from the west. And I brought this up to you guys a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I said, why didn't they say as far as the north is from the south? Because if you start going north, you start going toward the north pole, and you reach it, and you keep going in that same direction, well, now you're going south. Okay, and then you're going south, you're going all the way down to the south pole, and you keep going in that same direction, well, now you're going north again. North and south have a limit. You can reach as far north as you can go and as far south as you can go, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And you're no longer going north and south anymore. East and west, if you start walking east, you're going to forever be walking east. If you start walking west, you're going to forever be walking west. That's how far he's forgiven us of our sins. As far as the, Kayla? Sorry. East is from From the west. west. (laughs) So good. That's how far he's forgiven us of our sins. Endless amount. Mm -hmm. Just keep, keep walking that way. Keep walking that way. That's how much he's forgiven you. Of your, of your sins. When you said that a couple months ago, you blew my mind with that. <laughs> like, I was like, wow. I'm and so confused. <laughs> well, because, like, so if you're moving north, then you keep going north. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> At first, I didn't get it, but I was like, wow, that's so cool. Go north from here. Drag your finger up. From here, drag it up. Now keep going north. Nope, nope, that's, that's south. From here, go north. Okay, now, can you keep going north? No. So you can no longer go any more north. There's an end point. So there's, so there's an end point to north. Okay, now from here, go south. There's a pole, if you will. Go south. <laughs> Drag your finger from here to go south. Can you keep going south anymore? Yeah. Just nope. Because now you go start going north. So there's an Up end the other point side. to north. So there's a limit. You can go from here to here. That's north. You can no longer go north anymore. You're at the absolute north. From here to here, you've now gone all the way south. You can no longer go south anymore. Because if you continue to keep going, well, now you're going north again. And you can't go north anymore. And if you keep going, well, now you're going south. There's an absolute point of north and south. From here, drag your finger east. I don't know which way it is. I get what you're saying, but that way. way. This way. You should probably just... Well, like, Lily, think of a compass. You're going going east, you're going east, you're going east. You will forever be going east. You can never stop reaching direction. There's no east pole or west pole. Now start going west. Yeah, that that part makes more sense. Well, because like if you have a compass and you go to like you go north, right when you hit the north pole, the 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 compass starts spinning because it doesn't know the direction. But if you keep going east, forever the compass is always going to point east. Just all all that to say, infinite, infinite forgiveness. Just a, a, a demonstration of how much he's forgiven us. <laughs> it's, the rest of it is great. One scarred hand to the other. Alright, I'm going to stop it there, and we will keep going from here next week with this same topic of being forgiven. Um, but I, I would say, if nothing else, you know, we are... We're forgiven not because we've deserved it or earned it, mm-hmm. but because of his his love for us, because of his deliberate act of love, mercy, and grace for us. He's chosen to forgive us. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no condemnation if you're in Jesus, but if you're not in Jesus, there is condemnation. Spiritual senses tingle. But your spiritual senses tingle throughout the day. As far as the east is from the west, that's how much he's forgiven you your sins. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your goodness and your forgiveness for us. Thank you that we have been called forgiven, that you give that to us so freely uh, by, by being in Christ. Ask that uh, each person here, that you just continue to draw close to their heart and that they draw close to yours that you would just continue to um, let people wonder and, and want to, to keep digging into your word to see what does this truly mean. And, and even, if, even if we think we know it all, 
well, to first help us with that pride, but then to also be able to just continue to just seek you and to just be in awe of, of seeing how awesome you are. Um, God, I ask that, for myself included, that you help us all to let our spiritual senses tingle this week, that we don't let a single sunrise or sunset person passing us by, driving us by, um, even the person who cuts us off in the white car, um, that, that they, that, that we don't let a single moment go by without our spiritual senses tingling, saying, what, what would Jesus be doing right now? What do you have to say to us? And um, just to be able to see that each person around us is loved by you. Uh, help us just go about this week with um, a, a different change in perspective of uh, how we just go about seeing everything. And um, yeah, give us your eyes. Give us your ears and give us your mouth. Um, yeah, give us your eyes to, to see everything around us, how you see it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening. It's always a good time when God's presence is with us. I hope you enjoyed it and that you tune in again for the next episode of the Monday Night Godcast.